<laughs> Hello, everybody. Welcome as we continue on in our study of the New Testament. We're working through the New Testament together a chapter at a time, pretty much a chapter. Sometimes we'll do two or three if they're short chapters, but uh, pretty much a chapter at a time. Book at a time, we've done the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. We've done the book of Acts. Now we're kind of looking at Paul's letters in the order that he wrote them. We did First and Second Thessalonians, and we have moved now into First Corinthians. And uh, that's where we started last week in First Corinthians uh, chapter 1. We'll be in chapter 2 today as we get going. Um, before we get started, just to uh, remind you of where we're at, um, uh, tomorrow started at sunset actually tonight and throughout the day tomorrow is a Jewish holiday called Rosh Hashanah. And um, it's also known as the Feast of Trumpets. Now, um, one of the reasons I bring that up to you is if you were here when we were talking about Naturally Supernatural Part 9 a couple of weeks ago, two weeks ago, three weeks ago, whenever, we, we looked at communion, and I said that communion um, is, is, a, is a part of a feast, the Passover feast, and it also uh, uses a marriage analogy that has included in it the fact that Jesus has gone to prepare a place for us, and when he's, he's going to come back for us, he comes back at a time that the Father sends him. We discussed all this. And when he comes back into town, he blows a trumpet, and that means it's time for us to go. And um, this feast that's being celebrated tonight, uh, Rosh Hashanah, is the Feast of Trumpets, is, is that same feast, still being carried on. Now, what we've talked about and where we're at, let me get a drink of water. We have said that prophetically, the first four of seven feasts that the Israelites celebrated have been fulfilled. And that's the Feast of Passover, Jesus fulfilled. Um, you know, the, the lamb, everything perfectly. Unleavened bread, which happens the next day, his body broken, perfectly fulfilled. Early first fruits happened right when it should have with the resurrection. And he was the, um, that's at a time of a harvest, but it's a very, very early harvest in Israel. Very, the very first one, it's a very small harvest. And if you remember, it was Jesus. And then we, we talked we have in the past, you can go look it up, that also about 500 people popped up alive that weren't before. Go read it in Matthew. You'll see that it happened. It was the very first early harvest, and it happened just how it should have, prophetically, with Jesus fulfilling the first three of seven. The next feast in line is Pentecost, and the, the, at 50 days later, the Holy Spirit came and perfectly fulfilled Pentecost, which is another harvest feast. And if you remember on the day of Pentecost, Peter spoke uh, under the unction of the Spirit, and 3,000 men were added, plus women and children. It was the, the next harvest, early first fruits harvest, then the Pentecost harvest. Now, all those happen in the early part of the year, and then comes his long summer harvest, and then trumpets. And trumpets was the end of the harvest season. And when the Jewish people heard the trumpet sound, they would leave what they were doing to go to worship. It signified what they're about to celebrate today. And it brings into it, over the next short period of time, the last two feasts happen as well. Um, and, and they pop up in order. And we'll talk about those as they come. The Day of Atonement is one, and, and Tabernacles is the last one. And so 10 days from now, the Day of Atonement happens, and then the next one. Okay, so we believe prophetically, and while, see, and all during Jesus' time, they were celebrating those feasts, even the ones that have been fulfilled, and they're, they're still, the Jewish people still, when, the ones that they're doing what they're doing, they celebrate those seven feasts. And it's a, it's a pr prophetic thing. But we know, what we believe is we're waiting for trumpet sound. Jesus coming back. 
He's the bridegroom, we're the bride. That's the one we're waiting on. It will signify the end of the harvest. And Jesus talked about we're in a harvest season right now, so we're to be out working the harvest. That's what we're supposed to do. But when trumpet sounds, we're done. And he, and he catches us up to him. And we studied that just, I don't know, two or three weeks ago when we were in 1 Thessalonians. If you remember, we looked at those verses. And so um, today, in, in, in and around, you know, a lot of places are closed tomorrow. The, the, a lot of government places will shut down for Rosh Hashanah. Things will close um, in, in honor of that. It's, it's a reminder. But there it is, and, and it, it's happening. And, and on, on, <laughs> at some point, it's going to get literally fulfilled when Jesus comes back. When the Father says to Jesus, go get your bride, he'll blow the trumpet, and we'll, we'll get caught up to him. So that's what we're waiting on. And see, the, the thing is where you develop faith in that is because Jesus has perfectly fulfilled those first four, these next three are going to get fulfilled. I mean, that should, that's where your faith is. And so we're just waiting. And what do we do as we wait? Just like the brides that were waiting, we're supposed to make good use of the time, make sure that we're always ready and, and live the kind of life that, that we, we should be living. Um, we, you know, and Paul talked to, on the weekend, we talked about, you know, we've been bought with a price. The bride price has been paid at the cross and that we're to, you know, filled with the Spirit, be doing the things that we're supposed to do. And that's what we continue on doing. But we wait, and you just never know. Trumpet's going to sound. It's going to come. And I, that's cool. So that's good stuff. So uh, be listening. You won't be able to miss it. So don't, you don't have to be afraid. You're not going to miss it. I slept right through the trumpet, man. I'm, I'm so tired. <laughs> Where's everybody? Have you ever wondered? <laughs> you come to church. Oh, wouldn't that be, if you were really together, you could organize a big prank on somebody, but it would take a lot of work. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but you, you couldn't really, because you can't miss it. I promise you can't miss it. That was the whole message. That was what Paul was saying to the Thessalonians. Don't worry, you can't miss it. You'll know. There you go. Okay. So, uh, but that's what's being celebrated. So if you hear, you'll see it on the TV and stuff, Rosh Hashanah. It's the Feast of Trumpets, and uh, it's really the one we're waiting on. That uh, We're happy for the other one. It's cool that it happened, but the next one's cool, man. Because uh, Anyway, so that's coming, and that's what's happening uh, on this day. In time, so that was preamble. We're in, as I said, uh, we're going to look at the second chapter of 1 Corinthians today. As we finished the last chapter uh, last week, what we were talking about is that... Um, we, we have found what we've needed in life, not by our own initiative, but on God's. We, we by our best efforts, could never bridge the, the chasm that exists because of our sin between us and God. So God did it for us. He came, fully God, fully man in Christ, and at the cross, made a way for us to be back in relationship with God. So um, what, what Paul is talking about is that whole process. And he, and he talks about that being the, the power of God and the wisdom of God. And, and Paul is going to be talking throughout the second chapter in particular about the fact that all he preached was Christ crucified because that's the heart of the message. That's it. That's the main deal. That's, that's what we got to get. That, that, that's what happened. And that, um, that it seems foolish to the worldly wise people, but to, to us who have eyes of faith, it doesn't seem foolish at all. But it's still, it's, it's fascinating to me that 2,000 years later, still, still exactly like that. That um, the, the, the worldly wise can't grab a hold of the message of the cross 
and you know, unless they open their eyes to see, eyes of faith, and then it makes sense. But in, until then, it makes no sense at all, and they think they consider us foolish. And that's exactly what's going on. And you know, we, we don't need to get defensive over it, or you know, we just got to keep praying for them and love on them and pray that their eyes are open so they can see that it, this, this, it's an amazing thing. The cross is an amazing event. And, and so Paul kept it at the center of everything that he talked about. And, um, and so in the wisdom of God, salvation was accomplished at the cross. And, and the worldly wise can't see it, but um, it can be seen um, by simple believers. And that was sort of the end of one. And what he's really going to get into in chapter 2 uh, is he's going to continue to pick up this theme. So let's read through it. It's only 16 verses, and then we'll talk about it for a few minutes. and We'll call it a, we'll call it a night. Uh, high tech here. Our clock broke again the other day, so... I'm used to looking up there, so I, I have it. Fortunately, I have multiple electronic gadgets to fix that problem. <laughs> First Corinthians chapter 2, verses 1 and following. When I came to you, brothers, I did not come with eloquence or superior wisdom as I proclaimed to you the testimony about God. For I resolved to know nothing while I was with you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. I came to you in weakness and fear with much trembling and with much trembling. My message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power, so that your faith might not rest on men's wisdom, but on God's power. We do, however, speak a message of wisdom among the mature, but not the wisdom of this age or of the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing. No. We speak of God's secret wisdom, a wisdom that has been hidden and that God destined for our glory before time began. None of the rulers of this age understood it, for if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. However, as it is written, no eye has seen, nor ear has heard, no mind has conceived what God has prepared for those who love him. But God has revealed it to us by his Spirit. The Spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. For who among men knows the thoughts of a man except the man's spirit within him? In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. We have not received the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, that we may understand what God has freely given us. This is what we speak, not in words taught us by human wisdom, but in words taught by the Spirit, expressing spiritual truths in spiritual words. The man without the Spirit does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him. And he cannot understand them because they are spiritually discerned. The spiritual man makes judgment about all things, but he himself is not subject to any man's judgment. For who has known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. And blessed be the word of the Lord. You know, some of those verses we talked about this weekend... Uh, in Naturally Supernatural 11 as we talked about the work and the person of the Holy Spirit. So if you're here this weekend, you, you caught some of that. And if you, if you weren't here this weekend, I'd go back and listen to some of that because it fits right in with, with these things. But we're able to discern these things now because of the Spirit. And I talked about that over the weekend, that before we knew Christ, um, it, it's just like he describes. If you can remember, I don't know how many of you some of you have my experience who didn't grow up as a Christian or anything and that the whole thing seemed pretty foolish to me and I used to think that people believed it were foolish. Um, and then at a point in, in my life, just a little bit of faith 
and, and opening up to Christ, it all made sense. And, and all of a sudden, all the stuff that had been hidden was, you know, over time was revealed by the Spirit. Obviously not all at once, but the, the salvation plan made sense. And uh, it just engaged all of a sudden. And it's, it's amazing to me how God does that. Like, we'll, we'll think we're fine, we'll think we're fine, and then, and then praise God, for there's a, there, there can be this moment where all of a sudden you realize that you're a sinner. That uh, you, you, you probably shouldn't have been doing all the stuff you've been doing. And, and that... <laughs> See, I can remember when I was really out there, um, um, I, I used to work nights... Not that there's anything wrong working nights, but I worked in bars and I did a lot of stuff that I shouldn't have done. And I had convinced myself that that was normal. And I basically shut out daytime people. <laughs> I went home and, and I, I had my windows were covered with foil because of the, I didn't want to see the sunshine. That was bad. You know, bad. <laughs> and I hung out enough people that I began to convince myself that this was normal. Everybody lived like this. And it was very normal. And you just sort of begin to pretend that nothing else, no other kind of life exists. And it, it's, it's, you can do it for a season. But a time came. See, and now here's the thing. And this is where I think, and I, I believe God works this in everybody over time. Even during those seasons, there would be times when I would be on long runs and stuff that I would get out of sync and I, I'd, I'd uh, be up when I should have been sleeping and it was dark because my house was always dark. And, and I can remember thinking to myself, I'm missing something. There's got to be something else to life. There's just, because this ain't getting it. There's something, you know, and I was, I, I thought I was doing, you know, I, I worked nightclubs and I partied all the time and I had plenty of money and I had, a, and it should have been, everything should have, and every now and again, there'd be this nagging thing. Something's not right. And there's, there's this divinely created space in all of us that longs for God. I believe he puts it in every one of us. And, and it was, that's what was happening with me in it. And God set up a situation over time where, where, again, I told you when I was young, I got the gospel presented to me and said no. And over time, it happened again, that same situation. The story's funny because this, this, <laughs> this guy invited my wife to a Bible study. And, and, uh, she wanted to go. I don't know why she wanted to go. She was trying to, you know, do some things better. And I was like, I was working nights still and stuff. I said, well, I don't want to go. And she said, well, I go. And I said, well, I don't, I don't know this guy. No, I don't want you going to this. And it was, it, and so she was okay with it. I'm mean, like, no. And, and she, she was like, okay, I get it. And, and it, it, was, uh, it was on a night that I worked. I said, well, I worked that night. And, and magically, the Bible study night changed. Magically. And all of a sudden, it was on my night off. And so I went. I wasn't happy about going. You can ask my wife. Sat there like this the whole time. I was mad. <laughs> this is no way to spend a night off. But you know what? Just little... Just, the guy just talking. And all of a sudden, things started popping into my mind about places and times where God had met me. And, and even though I had... You know, and I, I, I had some stuff that happened when I was younger. That, and, and so I left that meeting that little Bible study that night, and this is, this is what I said, started my story. He'd been working on my story. The point of my, my salvation was this. I went home that night, and I didn't know what to do, so I kneeled down by the bed, and I, this was my prayer. God, if you're real, here I am. And it, that, that did it. In my case, that did it. I mean, you know, I didn't wake up perfect by a long shot. You can tell. <laughs> 
I woke up the next day and I was holy and healed. The specimen you see before you now. I woke up different. I definitely woke up different. And then God began to do things in my life. And, you know, over time, felt called into the ministry and went back to school and did all those things and got my degree. And anyway, um, the thing is, there was a, a, a time when I thought it was foolishness, and then all of a sudden, it made perfect sense. So um, this is what's happened, and this is what we're praying for. And a lot of times when I meet someone with a lot of resistance who's really smart, I kind of start, I pray and I start to chuckle because usually they're the next ones in. You know what I mean? A lot of times I'm like, oh, God's got your number, man. <laughs> I don't ever say that. I just smile. And they get a shot. So, so this is what Paul's dealing with, again, in Corinth. Remember, he's got issues. He's got divisions in the church. Remember, the young church has a, has a whole bunch of problems happening that he's got to deal with. And, and, uh, and so he's trying to approach them uh, in, a, in a way where he can bring some peace into the situation. And, and so he's, uh, he's got to deal with all these things that are happening. And so he starts with this one. He's really, right now, he's kind of dealing with division and trying to get their their minds back on where it all came from anyway and that they shouldn't be following any of those guys. They should be following Jesus. And so he's working that way. Now, he, in the beginning there, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, the first five verses, he, he really presents his ministry in a very humble way. He says that his preaching was unimpressive from a human point of view. And he's contrasting his style to um, the traveling speakers of the day who were known as sophists. S-O-P-H-I-S-T-S. These were philosophers who traveled who were very eloquent in their speech, and they traveled around, and they spoke uh, uh, this sort of um, weird philosophy of the day. And uh, there was a very common philosophy that they shared, and uh, they were skeptics. They were doubtful of just about everything, uh, and they, uh, they, they had, you know, very strange kind of... But it's, it's funny, because they're, they're the same ones that are still out there today. Um, we can only know ideas present in our mind, uh, so if it's not present, um, it, can't, it can't be true. Um, unless we can make a definitive statement about anything, then it's not true. Um, they, they believe that uh, our only source of knowledge was experience, particularly of the senses. If you couldn't, one of the five senses, it, then you, it couldn't be true. Um, and they also talked about, uh, they had a, which is very true to gay, this whole relativism thing where truth is relative depending on the situation. Um, these were very common teachings 2,000 years ago, uh, and they're still very common today. Almost the same stuff is, is still out there in what happens. And, and Paul says, look, I wasn't like those guys. He's not worried about it. He's letting everybody, I know that I'm not talking like the sophists do, and I'm not as eloquent as they are. But, but what does happen when I speak is that the Spirit of God comes and things happen and people are changed. And, and uh, this, th see, that was the difference, is that this other stuff doesn't change anybody. It's when they come to know Jesus that change happens. And it's still true today. Um, the, when Jesus taught, the, 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 the people are always amazed at his teaching because he taught his one with authority. You know why they said that? Because people changed when he spoke, when he taught. Things happened. Whereas they'd been teaching stuff, you know, and nothing ever changed. And so if change isn't happening, then, then something's wrong. That's one of the things I always tell you here. That the, the, the most important thing I look for is our lives being changed. Because that's how I know the Spirit of God's at work. It's not all the other stuff. Is it, are people, are their lives being changed? Are they challenged to follow after Jesus? Are they loving more? Are they, are they you know, dealing with their stuff? Are they, are they different? And I hope those of you that have been coming for some period in time now would say, yeah, I'm different than I was. 
I keep looking at my own life. I'm different than I was six months ago. I'm different than I was a year ago because things are at work in me. I hope that's what's going on. And I see it. I mean, I know that it's happening in people's lives, but I hope you, you plug into it too. So that's the power of the Word of God. That's the Spirit of God at work, which is what we've been talking about, and that's what Paul says. And he didn't want people to believe based on his eloquence or his persuasiveness. Um, he wanted them to know the simple message of Christ crucified. That's it. That's what he wanted them to know. That's what he wanted them to put, you know, put their trust in. They wanted their, he wanted their faith in God's power, not in men's wisdom. And so he, he introduces that. In verse 6 he says that, that it's not that God rejects wisdom of any sort, um, that he's not anti-wisdom, he's not anti-intellectual. Um, he's just saying that there's a wisdom that's taught by the Spirit that believers need to grasp. And, and that the, the mature grasp it. They get a hold of it. They, and then once they get a hold of it, they hang on to it. Because they get that, that, it's, that it's God. And, and something that seems foolish to the, to the world, like the message of the cross, is so powerful. And once you get a hold of it, you never let go. I've told you over and over again, it's the best deal in the universe. There is no better deal available. You won't find one. You can go and look all you want. There is no better deal than, than Christ crucified. It's the only thing, when every, in the scope of everything else that people believe in, all the other ones are about what you got to do. This is the only one that was done for you. It's done. He did it. He made a way. He took care of it. He did it. You just got to believe, accept, have faith. This simple, amazing plan of God, hidden from, from people, and, and yet there it is, for anybody with eyes of faith to see. And once you see it, you're like, huh. And that's what we walk in. And that's what Paul's telling these guys now. This is what you got to get. In verses 7 and 8, he says the, the message that he preached was God's secret wisdom that can only be known by the revelation of God, that God gives us this, this opportunity. I think he gives it to everyone. Their eyes are open and they get a chance. And they accept it or they reject it. And I think you get multiple chances. I told you at 19, I solidly rejected the gospel. It was presented well. I got it and I said no to it. I told you my reasoning. I didn't see how they had any fun. If I'd have stayed there longer, if I wasn't so tired, I might have said, okay, well, how do you guys have fun? <laughs> but at 19, I couldn't see it. I just couldn't see it. It looked boring to me. And I'm like, that don't bad. Now, I, never mind. It, was, it would have been way funner, but nonetheless, you figure it out. So it's by revelation. Just, you know, it was there, and I had a choice. But he kept coming back around. I had more choices, and I'm happy for that. And so, you know, never give up on people. You keep, you just never know what, what's going to happen. You just never know. You know. Some of you, I know you've been praying for folks for a long time. Just keep praying. Just keep hanging on. You just never know when it's going to happen. Matthew eleven twenty five, Jesus said, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and learned and revealed them to little children. This, the secret he's made known to people with simple faith who open their eyes to see what's happening. And at the heart of that message was the plan of salvation. 1 Corinthians 2, 8 and 11. Uh, the blessings of salvation, of salvation, Paul tells us, involve the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And, and in this way, they, they were prepared by the Father, carried out by the Son, and they're applied by the Spirit. I'm going to read you some verses out of Ephesians chapter 1, and you can see Father, Son, and Holy Spirit at work in this amazing plan of salvation. This is verses 3 through 14. You can write them down. Uh, you can write down the address and look at it later. It's not in your notes. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, 
who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love he predestined us to be adopted as his sons through Christ Jesus in accordance with his pleasure and will, to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one he loves. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, in accordance with the riches of God's grace, that he lavished on us with all wisdom and understanding. And he made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ, to be put into effect when the times will have reached their fulfillment, to bring all things in heaven and on earth together under one head, even Christ. In him we were also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of a will, in order that we, who were the first to hope in Christ, might be for the praise of his glory. And you were included in Christ when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. Having believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. And blessed again be the word of the Lord. Powerful stuff in those verses. The plan of salvation, prepared by the Father, carried out by the Son, and applied by the Spirit. There's the Trinity at work in our lives. And there's the plan. There's, there's, there's what he's done. He's made a way for us to have connection in life with him. And, uh, and so the way that, that we know these things is by the Spirit. We can't, you, see there's a place of faith and, and in a, of, a, of a listening to the Spirit that makes it all begin to fit together that we have to have. To, he, the Spirit of God reveals the deep things of, of God's salvation. Um, he goes and he, he clarifies that in those last few verses, 11 through 16, by saying this, that um, this is the illustration. Nobody, see, no, none of us can understand fully the thoughts of anybody else. That makes sense, right? Like, I can't fully know what anybody else is thinking. Um, and, and he says, in, in the same way, uh, uh, the Spirit of God reveals God's thoughts to us. And, and so we can't know God's thoughts, but the Spirit can, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and He reveals them to us. And so the, the message, the simple message, cross, uh, Jesus crucified, uh, the cross, uh, the salvation plan that Paul preached didn't originate in the thoughts and minds of men, but it originated in God and was taught by the Spirit. And that's what Paul is, is, is writing back and letting the Corinthians know, and in, in he's in doing that to deal with that problem of division that popped up there because everybody's got their own little take on it and who they're following, and he's saying, mm -mm, let's get it, let's get back. It wasn't about me. It wasn't about any of these other guys that are teaching you. It's about Jesus and him crucified. That's where we find life. That's where we get on track. And that's what he was saying to the Corinthians. And with that, I will end. Thank you if you're watching by video, for watching. God bless you. If there's anything we can do, you can call us or write us. We'll do whatever we can. We'll be praying for you, and we're going to close tonight here.